What a beautiful joy to hear the voices echoing around the room. Uh, just such a joy, and what a beautiful hymn that is as well. I'm so pleased you've joined us here for Christmas Day, and uh, I would love to start by praying for us. Gracious Father, we thank you so much for your wonderful word. We thank you for the Lord Jesus Christ. And we thank you that as we come and have a look at your word now in the Bible, that we have here a picture of the thrill of hope. And may this be that for us this Christmas, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I wonder what it is that gives you a thrill. Um, maybe it's a, a theme park ride, perhaps a little bit like the rides that got at Jamber Action Park, like, you know, the Perfect Storm or Velocity Falls, the new one that looks like a lot of fun. Uh, it might be the, the thrill of, uh, of riding a surfboard. Uh, for me, I, I spend a lot of time looking like I'm drowning. Uh, but when it occasionally works and I can get on my very long board and have it just thrill of hope is sort of getting on the board and getting somewhere near the water uh, or out of the water briefly and racing towards the ocean. And Anyway, it's, it's always a thrill if I can come out alive, to be perfectly honest. <laughs> Uh, one, certainly one of the thrills I get is when I, uh, when I get a chance to drive the, the fire truck with lights and sirens. Uh, it's quite extraordinary to think that they'd give an amateur like me who just got his licence um, the responsibility to drive a large, expensive fire truck at high speeds, but we're there for your safety. So if you see the lights and sirens on and me going like this behind it, get off the footpath, I'd recommend. Uh, <laughs> Now, all those three things involve a little bit of speed and a little bit of adrenaline, which is why I think it's a bit weird for us to talk about the thrill of hope. I mean, if you were trying to describe hope, what would you use? You, I reckon you'd probably use the word like um, maybe the joy of hope or perhaps the satisfaction of hope or the comfort of hope or something. But the thrill of hope? Where does that come from? Well, that is exactly what French poet... Uh, something like Placide Capo wrote in his much-loved carol, O Holy Night. We, we didn't sing it in French, uh, which is a good thing, uh, but we sang it in English. And what were the words? O Holy Night, the stars are brightly shining. It is the night of the dear Saviour's birth. Long lay the world in sin and error pining till he appeared and the soul felt its worth. And then here it is, the thrill of hope. The weary world rejoices, for yonder breaks a new and glorious morn. That's where we get these words, a thrill of hope. But did you see what came straight afterwards? It said, the weary world rejoices. As the poet here crafted those words together, he saw the two going together. He saw that the thrill of hope follows weariness. And that's a little bit unexpected too. Because, you know, when I'm weary, after I've had weariness, I want rest. If I'm weary, I just want to stop. But if I've been weary in waiting, tired of just waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting, then you can see how the end of the waiting would actually bring a thrill. And that is what we see when baby Jesus is brought into the temple. Have a look at Luke chapter 2. The words will be up on the screen. You can read along. At that time, there was a man in Jerusalem named Simeon. He was righteous and devout, 
and was eagerly waiting for the Messiah to come and rescue Israel. What was he doing? Eagerly waiting. Interesting to have those two words. It's kind of like he was, he was really, really waiting. Waiting and waiting and waiting. But what was he waiting for? Well, Simeon was waiting for the Messiah. He was waiting for, or in the Greek word is the Christ. Christ and Messiah, they mean the same thing. He was waiting and waiting and waiting. But why was he waiting for the Messiah? Why did he need the Messiah to come? He needed the Messiah to come because they needed rescuing. When someone in Jamboree calls triple zero when their barbecue catches on fire, uh, this is what my mobile phone does. Hopefully it's just me and not the whole brigade. Well, we know that sound in the middle of the night, don't we? Yeah, Mandy loves that sound. Yeah. So that noise starts going, and then usually, often, I'll, I'll do this. No, not like that. I'll put this on, and if it's at 3am in the morning, I, I may or may not put it on the right way. There have been times when we've turned up and put the boots on the wrong feet and then tried to drive a large truck. It's a bit scary. But what tends to happen is the pager goes off, the, and then straight away we'll decide, we've got about a minute to work out if we're actually going to go or not, because, you know, we might have a reason not to go. And then if we say yes, we say thumbs up on our little device and then we jump in the car and I'll let us speed to get to the station. Uh, and we get to the station, we throw in our gear as fast as we possibly can and then we press all the buttons and the doors go up and then we turn on the siren. And it's a really good day if we can knock that over in about six minutes. So that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to get out of take place, go up and around all the way down to the fire station that's behind the post office there in Young Street and then the doors go up and we jump in and the sirens are off and away we go. And usually, God willing, if, if it's a structure fire and you, know, you have actually lit up the back of your house, then we'll hopefully be there in about 10 or so minutes, maybe, after you've actually done the triple O call. So don't think that we're going to be there in, in you know, one minute because we do have to you know, put our hat on the right way, maybe. So, uh, But... Imagine what it would be like if you were out at sea and something happened to your boat. Maybe it started to sink. And you're out in the boat and it's taking on water and maybe it capsizes and it's, it hasn't actually sunk to the bottom but somehow it's been able to send out a signal to say to the emergency services, please come and rescue me. And then somehow via radio or device, you get an you, they, they come back and they say to you, guess what, we're on our way. And you know that you're somewhere in a boat between Sydney and Honolulu, and they're coming out to meet you in a boat. Now, that's the kind of response time that you measure in a calendar. Okay? It takes a long time to get there, and you know that you are on the edge of survival, and you are waiting, and you are waiting, and you are waiting, and you know that it's going to happen. You know they'll send lots and lots of ships 
And they might even send along a helicopter or something like that, perhaps. But you know it's coming and you're waiting and you're waiting and you're waiting and there's a hope. But as you sit there and you hear that there's some bad weather and you know it's going to take longer, you get weary in waiting and you wait and you wait. You know it's coming, but you wait and you wait and you wait. See, God's people had dialed triple zero. They said, we need rescuing. In fact, once they dialed triple zero and God answered the phone, he said, I'm, I'm already sending the emergency people. I'm already sending my son. But they had to wait. And they waited and they waited and they waited. And their waiting made them weary. They had been waiting for hundreds of years for the Messiah to come. Hundreds and hundreds of years. It's not 10 minutes waiting for the fireys to turn up to put out your barbie. It's not a couple of days waiting for the Navy to come and fish you out of the water. It's years and years and centuries and centuries. And there's one particular guy, Simeon, who we read as righteous and devout. And he was waiting and waiting and waiting. I might take my jacket off. He was waiting and waiting and waiting. But you know, he knew that the time was coming for the Messiah and it was going to happen soon. Have a look at what it says. It says, The Holy Spirit was upon him and had revealed to him that he would not die until he had seen the Lord's Messiah. The phone operator said, Stay put, keep waiting, we're on our way. Simeon knew that the Messiah would come in his lifetime. He was waiting, he was waiting, he was waiting, he was weary of waiting. But he knew from his weariness would come the thrill of experiencing the rescue. And so he waited and he waited and he waited. And then something happened unexpectedly. We read in verse 27a that that day the Spirit led him to the temple. Now we're not exactly sure exactly how the Spirit led him to the temple, but the temple was a very, very special building back there. It was the most important place in the whole of the world. It was the place where God would come and meet with his people. And special things often happened there. And in this time we see that God sent Simeon to the temple. And when he got there... Well, he happened to pop in to someone and see someone who was quite famous. We read in verse 27, So when Mary and Joseph came to present the baby Jesus to the Lord, as the law required, Simeon was there. Now, what, was, what were Mary and Joseph doing with Jesus going into the temple? Well, a few verses before, we read that it was time for their purification offerings, as required by the law of Moses after the birth of a child. So his parents took him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. That's what they're there for. And so we've got Mary and Joseph and Jesus all in the temple. And who do they bump into? Simeon, the old man who is waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting. And it's kind of like, what are you doing here? And he sort of turns up there and he sees something very special. In fact, he, he does what politicians like to do, uh, randomly grab a baby. So he, he took the child in his arms 
And he praised God. Imagine if you were the mother of Jesus and this random guy in the temple walks up and grabs your baby and then says this, Sovereign Lord, now let your servant die in peace as you have promised. I have seen your salvation, which you have prepared for all people. He was waiting and waiting and waiting And there right before him was the answer to his prayers. The baby, helpless, a week or so old. And he picks the baby up, holds the baby in his arms and praises God. Waiting and waiting and waiting. And there he is. And so he can say, I am now ready to die in peace. That's it. I've seen the Saviour. I'm here holding the rescuer in my very hands. This man who had waited and waited and waited had seen God's salvation as he held his saviour in his arms. The weak and little baby is actually the saviour of the world and Simeon knew it. It's not like this, this person turns up at his door wearing these kinds of things and says, I'm here to save you. Sorry I banged into your car on the way in. <laughs> no, I'm here to save you. But it's a baby. A little baby. The saviour. And he knew that this is what the saviour would do. Verse 32. He is a light to reveal God to the nations. And he is the glory of your people Israel. You see, Simeon's rescue had begun with the coming of Jesus. He knew help was there. But if that's true, why is there still suffering and sadness? Why is there still cancer and car accidents? Why do we have divorce and disasters? If this baby grew up to be a man who died on the cross and rose from the dead and now has ascended and is seated at the right hand of the Father. If that has all happened, why is the world still in a mess? Why is the world broken? Why is your heart broken? The truth is that the world still feels broken, doesn't it? And so we... Keep waiting just a little bit longer. The Apostle Paul, when he wrote to the church in Rome, he spoke about that. He spoke about how the whole of creation is weary with waiting. A weary world waits. Here's how he puts it in Romans 8. Yet what we suffer now is nothing compared to the glory he will reveal to us later. For all creation is waiting eagerly for that future day when God will reveal who his children really are. All creation is waiting. All creation is waiting for the time when the rescue will be fully experienced. And here's why creation is waiting, why creation is groaning. Verse 20. Against its will, all creation was subjected to God's curse. But with eager hope, 
The creation looks forward to the day when it will join God's children in glorious freedom from death and decay. Right from the beginning of history, humans rebelled against God and from that came God's curse upon all of creation. As it says here in verse 20, against its will all creation was subjected to God's curse. And so creation lives in hope and then the hope comes in Christ and yet creation continues to wait in hope. It waits and waits and waits and it looks forward to the day when it will join God's children in glorious freedom from death and decay. Freedom from death and decay. Do you want that? You do, don't you? Because we long for the day when there is no more death. Death is a horrible thing. I have, I have great respect for funeral directors, but I really wish their profession didn't exist. I have great respect for people who administer chemotherapy and drugs like that. But I wish they could just be florists or musicians. We long for the day when there are no emergency services, when there are no law courts, when there are no cancer wards, when there are no morgues. And we wait. And we're tired of waiting. But we wait. The world is weary. We are weary. And this is how Paul goes on to explain the experience of this weary world. He says, verse 22 of chapter 8, For we know that all creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. And we believers also groan, even though we have the Holy Spirit within us as a foretaste of future glory. For we long for our bodies to be released from sin and suffering. We groan. Our world is weary. We are weary. And so we wait. And we know that the time is coming when we will experience the fullness of God's salvation. But for now we await the return of Christ. Verse 23b. We too wait with eager hope for the day when God will give us our full rights as his adopted children, including the new bodies that he has promised us. We wait with eager hope. The weary world waits. And we wait with eager hope, verse 24, because we were given this hope when we were saved. If we've already got something, we don't need to hope for it. But we look forward to something we don't yet have. So we must wait patiently and confidently. That's what it's like for our world right now. We wait with eager hope. For we already have seen God's salvation. Simeon held God's salvation in his very hands. Mine eyes have seen the glory of the coming of the Lord. Let your servant rest in peace. He held the salvation of the world in his hands. And that man grew up to live 
and to die and to rise. And now we await his return. And in our waiting, we have the thrill of hope. We wearily wait, and yet in our waiting, we have this thrill. And it's not a waiting that is in vain. It is a waiting that has hope. You might think that your pain and suffering is proof that God doesn't exist. Or you might say, because I'm going through such a horrible time, clearly God doesn't care for me. You might hold up your pain and your suffering and say, here it is. Look at this. This is why I don't believe in God. And let me say, I feel your pain with you because we live in a world that is broken. I have shed tears on many times this year with those who have had broken hearts and broken bodies. You can see that broken heart and that broken body and you can hold your fist up to God and say, this is why I don't believe in you. Or you can have that broken body and that broken heart and that broken life and say, this is why I wait for you. We long for the return of Jesus. Friends, do not give up waiting. For as our weary world waits, our weary world will rejoice. That is the thrill of hope.